from producers Matt Damon and Ben Affleck. Explore how art and music sustained hope during the siege of Sarajevo. Thanks in part to humanitarians and the band U2. Kiss the Future. New documentary now streaming exclusively on Paramount Plus. Go to Paramount Plus to try it free. Terms apply. Welcome to the 24-7 Sports College Basketball Show. I'm your host, Tony Levitt. I am back in my regular recording space with my nice mic. I apologize to all my audio heads who uh, heard our Imani Bates podcast earlier this week and said to themselves, God, do I really have to listen to this? Well, I didn't have my mic. I was away from home and we had to get the pot out because Imani Bates committing is as big news as you're going to get. And today we've got an interesting episode. I've recorded uh, every week for the past few weeks. We've been uh, doing a summer check-in uh, of each for each of the big conferences in college basketball, and I had recorded a really nice conversation with Sam Webb uh, previewing the Big Ten, and we're going to have to run that next week because late, late last night, McCour McCurr, the 17th-rated prospect in the class of 2020, committed to the Howard Bison. Yes, you heard that right, Howard Bison in the MEAC. Howard Bison, who in the MEAC just won four conference games last year, that is the number 17 prospect, a five-star, a guy who had already put his name in the draft because he was eligible, shocked the world at four in the morning, dropping his uh, commitment to the Bison. So first first part of the show, we're going to have Stephen Gaither, who's the founder of HBCU Game Day, on to talk about what this means for historically black colleges, for Howard, and for McCurr himself. Really interesting conversation. Excited to share that with you. And then on the back half, I brought on Jeff Ehrman, the publisher of Inside Maryland Sports, to talk about the bizarre situation surrounding Under Armour, especially as it relates to UCLA and other Under Armour branded colleges. Now, I know Jeff covers Maryland, but the thing is, Maryland and Under Armour are pretty much inextricably tied at the hip because Kevin Plank, Under Armour's founder, is a Maryland grad. In fact, he was the captain of special teams, a walk on for the Maryland football team. And Under Armour is is centered in Baltimore. There's a tremendous connection between the University of Maryland and Under Armour. And so Jeff has his finger on the pulse of what's going on with Under Armour as it relates to college sports. So we're going to talk about what's going on, the swift fall of Under Armour, and kind of project out what's going to happen over the next couple of years as it relates to Under Armour as a major player, or maybe not as a major player in the college athletics gear scene. But first, I hope you'll take the time to subscribe, rate, and review on Apple Podcasts. Subscribe wherever you get your podcasts, especially those of you coming from the website. I see you coming. These numbers are really strong. It's it's really amazing to see you in June, July of of a coronavirus-confused off-season, to see the numbers pouring in. It's really cool, and it means a lot. Uh, And those of you coming from the website, subscribe on your phone so that when we publish episodes, you get it right away instead of waiting for me to put it in the articles. I don't know when I'm going to get to the articles. you got a lot going on here at 24-7 Sports, so I hope you'll take the time to rate and review. And if you want to include a topic suggestion or a question for me or for one of our experts, leave that in the five-star review because I promise you we will get to it. So like I said before, we've got a really exciting episode about McCour McCurr committing to the Howard Bison and then Under Armour with Jeff Ehrman. First up, though, Stephen Gaither, founder of HBCU Game Day, on to talk about McCour McCurr, 
number 17 prospect in the 24-7 sports composite, committed to the Howard Bison late last night. Here's my conversation with Steven. All right, so Steven, uh, I, I think my first question for you has to be just, did you expect this? McCour McCurr committed to Howard University Bisons, Kenny Blakeney at, was it, four in the morning? Did you expect yeah. this then? Did you expect this at all? What, what was your immediate reaction? Man, it's, you know, it's, it's crazy because you have to really go back a year ago. I, I looked at, and I looked at the date, July 2nd, 2019 is when um, we wrote a post about uh, McCour, um, you know, putting Howard in his top 10. It's like, oh, great. It was in his top 10. And we were excited. And people were like, you know, you guys should be excited. And then he visited, um, you know, in, uh, in, uh, in October at homecoming. And then everybody was like, well, he's visiting. He's going to go. He's going to go somewhere else. And then he declared for the draft. And then, uh, you know, everything kind of was simmered down for a while. And you've almost forgot about him until – uh, earlier today, uh, earlier Thursday, when he put out his top four and Howard was still in his top four. And so that was another, I mean, even if Howard just stopped his top four, that was a new big, big as well. But for them to get him in the midnight hour was, uh, was, was just remarkable, especially when you look at some of the programs that were going up against UCLA, um, you know, uh, UCLA, uh, Memphis, um, you know, Kentucky. I mean, you know, blue blood programs literally and and howard hasn't even won its conference since 1992 so you know it it was amazing yeah i mean ucla is definitely taking shots later in this episode we're gonna uh, i'm gonna have someone on to talk about their disaster situation with under armor so they're they're taking real hits today but i'm curious for for hbcus have there been moments in the past where a, a player of mccurr's caliber had you know put them in a top 10 or put them in maybe even a top three and then, you know, that kind of fizzled out maybe because, it, it, you know, for, for whatever reason, it was, it was a local mm-hmm. school or you had family who went there and, and it mm-hmm. was almost like they were kind of just doing it to show. You know, has, has that, that teasing happened before? Yeah, it has happened before. Well, okay, so there have been a couple of instances. Um, John Wall back in 09, uh, he had uh, North Carolina Central, I think maybe in his top 10. And he's from Raleigh, and actually North Carolina Central's coach, Lavelle Moten, uh, had a relationship with him, you know, going back even to middle school, like a middle school coach or something like that. So he, he kind of, you know, that was kind of a special relationship. It's usually it's usually those types of things, again, where it's a local thing. I think Harry Giles a couple years back um, had uh, Winston-Salem State uh, in his top ten at one point, uh, which Winston-Salem State is actually a D2 HBCU. Um, but you know, but so it's it's been very rare. I mean, usually, uh, again, when it was a, when it was in his top ten, um, it was we thought it was newsworthy just because um, you know it kind of came out of nowhere. There wasn't a local connection. Howard, um, you know, it's across the country from where he's from. It's in Washington D.C. So we thought that that was pretty unique, and, and so we talked about it then. But you know, especially again today, uh, Thursday, when we get to he's in their top four. That's, that was already huge. That was huge already. And when I wrote this story, I mean, I, honestly, I was expecting them to be in the top four and that was going to be a great story. And I just, you know, I saw some people say that they were going to be able to pull it off. I just did not know. Um, so when I saw it this morning, I was like, wow, this is actually happening like now, right now and at three o'clock in the morning. So it's the craziest thing in the world. I was like, please, I was like, please don't tell me the kid got hacked. Please, don't. I was like, I, I felt confident <laughs> enough, but I was like, please don't tell me the kid got hacked because I, I would just, that'd be the ultimate tease. Wow, so, yeah, I didn't even think about that. 
So I'm curious. I, I wonder if if this if this unique commitment ha- has anything to do uh, with our current political moment. Um, we've seen in the past few weeks a number of players and coaches in the college basketball community have have um, participated in protests and, and made statements, both on the football and basketball side, really powerful statements against racism and against systemic injustice. And and I wonder if if that particular movement maybe enabled this moment because a lot of people at protests and, and, and leaders have been saying, you know, this can't just be donate $50 to I run with mod, mm-hmm. you know, this can't be just go to go to a protest and then go home and smile. You have to be making big time choices. Well, McCour just made a big time life choice and, and he's right. going to HBCU. Yeah. I mean, you want to, I mean, I think there's a tendency to want to tie that to it, but again, I mean, you know, last July, he made this proclamation, you know, he, he put Howard in his top 10 then before all of this happened. But, you know, I think uh, to the larger point, um, there is something, uh, and I talked to the folks at the Houston Chronicle about this as well. You know, the, this group of, uh, of, of uh, this, like this class of 2020 and, and Mikey Williams, who was 2023 and who was made overtures to HBCUs, you know, they've grown up in a time where, um, you know, Trayvon Martin, was a peer of theirs you know what i mean they i mean he's there he was there you know you know same, you know in the same age range so they've grown up with that uh tamir rice um you know all of these names now that we know for uh being uh you know black folks sandra bland uh meeting horrible endings michael you know uh, all of those they that's that has been their life experience and you know um you know there was a time when only you you could only go to hbcus right for most black players um that hasn't been the case since the late 60s early 70s and i think the first couple of generations of folks um were you know just you know taking the new opportunity that they had available to them and you know and we want to even look at the the part about the the money that sometimes goes under the table there um but just um, I think now this current generation has had uh, think racism and things more in their face and social issues more in their face. So I think that's one component of it. I also think that social media also plays a big role in it, not only uh, for, you know, uh, putting out your social views, but also just building a following. Um, McCore Maker doesn't have the same doesn't have the same following as Mikey Williams has. Mikey Williams has 2 million Instagram followers. Um, and he, he just turned 16 years old. Um, so that shows you that they had, they show, they know their power, they know their influence and their voice. And so a lot of the arguments that would be made, uh, against going to HBCUs in the past is that nobody will see you play. You won't get any exposure, but now where everything is on camera, every video, it doesn't matter. Um, you know, I think that this, kids are starting to see that you know if they already the guys who are that upper echelon at a certain level the cameras are going to follow them wherever they go and, and if nothing else their instagram followers and their twitter followers will follow them anywhere that they go and so i think that that's becoming even less of a, a obstacle and uh i think that all those you have all of those things uh combined with the current climate and i think uh you know the kids are just seeing that you know, a lot of the things that uh, they were told, a lot of conventional wisdom from the past doesn't necessarily apply in 2020. Absolutely. And I actually wanted to to ask on something similar to that about these kids. They understand their value. A lot of guys are realizing now that it might not be in their interest to actually go to college and they're electing to go pro mm-hmm. 
straight to the draft or maybe to the G League developmental program. And you know, I saw you retweeting a couple of things this morning that suggested to me that you might be a little nervous that McCourt might pull an Isaiah Todd and commit and then end up bouncing to the pro ranks. You know, could you a little elaborate on that? Well, I think it's one of those things, and it's not that I've heard anything specifically. It's just that it's this what has happened. Him committing to Howard is so out of the norm. It is so uh, it, it is so dreamlike that you almost there's the there's that you know being a journalist there's that cynical part of you that wants to say okay wait a minute but that, let's not shut the door on the fact that he does have other options um, you know with the NBA draft the G League or whatever. Um, and then also there's COVID hanging around everything. So you don't know what, you know, there's a lot of uncertainty right around right now. So, um, you know, again, being a journalist, you know, that's, that's part of it. And then also being a fan of HBCU sports, you know, you, you, you know, uh, a lot of times it, it just seems like it's too good to be true. I mean, you know, even when guys were, um, a lot of guys have flirted with HBCUs, uh, top level guys, name guys, uh, Kevon Thibodeau. Um, he is a, is a defensive end at Oregon, but he actually was a top uh, prospect in his class a couple of years ago. He, uh, he went to, he went to a visit to Florida state and he also visited FAMU, which is both, are both in Tallahassee. Um, you know, he ended up not going to FAMU. He ended up going to Oregon, but you know, people are, and, and a lot of folks who really are passionate about HBCU sports and really wanted to want them to get back to where they were. Um, are you know protective of, and they're 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 afraid that you know these student athletes they see again because with Twitter you know it, it tells you how many every time somebody views something that a piece of content that you put out every time somebody retweets and that they can see now that when if they even there's so much of a hunger for that type of talent to come to HBCUs or HBCUs to get those type of guys that even if they just throw the bait out there that fish will bite. And I think uh, there's been a lot of there's just been a lot of skepticism and and just not really wanting to get their people get their hopes up too much. You know, you have people on both sides. So. um, So, yeah, I think there's there's always that cautionary part of it. Again, with a guy like him who has so many options, you're just afraid that the rug is going to get swept from underneath your feet. But, um, you know, uh, hopefully he'll he'll get a chance to uh, go to Howard, suit up uh, for Coach Kenny Blakeney, um, who played under Coach K. Um, who has been an assistant with Tommy Amaker at Harvard. Um, very great basketball mind. He's a coach with Mike Bray at Notre Dame. They've got a game against Notre Dame as well. So, um, you know, you really hope that. And they're actually under armor school as well. So maybe maybe a UCLA's other loss will also be uh, Howard's game. <laughs> so let's, let's assume for a second we, we, we can work out this uh, COVID disaster. And McCord does end up suiting up for the Bison. You know, how, how good is he going to be for Howard? I mean, he's the number 17 prospect of the 24-7 sports composite. He's got a 99.4 rating. Yeah. And, and I guess, you know, on the individual level, how good is he going to be? And on a team level, how does this uh, impact your assessment of the whole conference? Uh, well, I mean, it's, I mean, you just haven't had a guy like him come and play in the MEAC or any HBCU conference in forever because he is, you know, college basketball is a very uh, guard oriented game in general, but especially at that low major, low mid major level um, where big, where quality big men are hard to come by, you know? So to get a guy like McCor, um, you know, it would, 
just be, uh, you know, it, it's, it's, you know, the possibilities are endless now. I mean, obviously, you know, they're, you know, you're going, you're going to take a jump up going from high school to college, but he's also already played against, you know, top level high school talent. Um, I think he would definitely, um, you know, he, he definitely would be a, a star attraction, uh, no matter what he does. Um, you know, but Howard has struggled. Uh, Howard's, Howard's got a lot of work to do themselves. They only won four games last year. Um, and again, they haven't been to the NCAA tournament since 1992. Um, even in the MEAC, the, the, the standard in the MEAC right now is North Carolina Central, um, North Carolina A&T. They're in their final year of the league, but they, they've been getting better as well. And also Norfolk State, who uh, pulled off the 15-2 over Missouri uh, back in 2012. So the MEAC is a basketball conference that uh, has, some, has some, some teams that are really good. Howard is not Howard has not been able to crack through and break through there, but I mean his talent is obvious. Um, and again, I, I could just definitely see him uh, just being a force to be reckoned with in that league. And he, I think you know he'll be must see action for us for sure every you know every time he steps on the floor. But I think um, again, there's a chance where they're going to get a chance to play against Notre Dame on MLK Day at home. I think that's going to be a great game. I think that's going to be a very big game. Um, so again, H, you know, the, the schools in the MEAC, HBCUs, they compete against power five schools early in the year in those, those buy games. Um, you know, overall, Howard won't have the depth to beat some of those teams, but, you know, in college basketball, we've seen where if you have one player who's potentially transcended and he's on, you know, that can cause some trouble for even a better team. So, uh, it's going to be very exciting to see how they do against that, uh, against that at a conference competition as well as when they get into the to conference play, can they keep that consistency going? Everybody's going to be wanting to show him up. Everybody's going to be wanting uh, to make a name off of him. So it'll be very interesting. You know, the MEAC is a league where uh, there are a lot of grown men. Um, you know, a lot of these guys started started uh, at other mid-majors or Power 5 conference play teams, um, weren't getting the play in time that they wanted, so they transferred that out a year and so there's a lot of 22 23 year olds in the BX. so they'll be playing against some grown men for sure so it'll be interesting well i really appreciate you coming on the show steven steven gaither is the founder and jack of all trades for hbcu game day and steven before before you head out why don't you uh tell the listeners what kind of stuff they can find on your website because i was on this morning some really cool stuff out there yeah, um, just um, all the latest news, uh, news and features with uh, HBCU Sports, historically black colleges and universities. Um, we've got our own TV show that comes on, uh, Spire TV. You know, all divisions, uh, the Division One schools, BAC and the SWAC, as well as the CIAA and the SIC. And uh, we put out a lot of great content on our YouTube and Facebook pages, just talking about the state of HBCU sports um, and the, the plight of. Uh, HBCUs as well, and uh, you know the st- history and the future of them as well. So just uh, comprehensive coverage of HBCUs, uh, HBCUGameDay.com or at HBCUGameDay on any major platform. Amazing, Stephen. I really appreciate you coming on the show to talk basketball. I appreciate it. Anytime you need me, let me know. Really great stuff there from Stephen. I'm excited to see what happens with McCourt, especially in that big nationally televised game on MLK Day against Notre Dame. Really hope we'll be able to see that. Um, It's just really exciting when we have new things in college basketball. And I think this new thing, a five-star committing to a a historically black college, is unique and exciting, and and I'm all about it. So that's going to be really cool. 
We're going to take a quick break, and on the back half of the episode, we will talk to Jeff Ehrman, the publisher of Inside Maryland Sports, about Under Armour and their disastrous relationship with UCLA. Stay tuned. Now streaming on Paramount Plus. You ready, Bob? Well, all right. Audiences are raving. Bob Marley is electrifying. It's the feel-good movie of the year. You dig? Bob Marley, One Love. Rated PG-13. Now streaming on Paramount Plus. So, Jeff, let's start here. Before UCLA signed this mega deal with Under Armour, Maryland was the first big school to dive into the Under Armour brand. And when Maryland signed their current deal in 2014, uh, we kind of, or we, here I go again, um, (laughs) say Maryland stuff. Maryland wanted to uh, replicate what Nike was able to do with Oregon and and be the Under Armour school. And so what Maryland signed that deal, kind of what was your impression of Under Armour and what they could or could not do for Maryland? I mean, at the time they were on the upswing, you know, they were the hottest, one of the hottest brands out there, uh, regardless probably of what sort of space you were talking about. Their, their stock was about to reach an all-time high and uh, they looked like they were going to challenge Nike. You know, Steph Curry was maybe the number one guy in the NBA. So it looked like a great match at that time for Maryland. I don't think anybody could have foreseen them just crashing down to earth the way they have. Yeah. So in your article, you mentioned the drop from $50 stock shares to now just $9, which, uh, you know, I'm, I'm decent at math, but I don't think you need to be great at math to know that that's that's not so good. You know what what happened? It's it's just six years ago that Maryland signed the CLR. How how have they fallen so far so fast? Well, they, I think they tried to be too many things to too many different people. I think that they probably got a little overconfident and started like really spending money on a lot of different athletes. Obviously, Tom Brady, um, you know, Jordan Spieth, a lot of big name athletes. So they spent a lot of money on that kind of stuff. And then, you know, whereas Nike was focused on what they call athleisure wear, they really focused on performance wear. And the market kind of moved away from that and towards the leisure stuff. And they stuck with the performance kind of hardcore workout gear. Uh, So that didn't help them at all. And then honestly, I think that, you know, regardless of what your politics are, it did hurt them when Kevin Plank kind of buddied. I don't know if he buddied up, but he was complimentary of Donald Trump. There was a huge backlash from that. So I think that hurt them. Uh, so it's just been a kind of confluence of those things. And then in terms of like basketball, like UCLA obviously is a basketball school. Um, you know, they really didn't get any better with basketball. They didn't fully invest themselves. The basketball shoes didn't seem to get any better. And they really, you know, their, their grassroots basketball league improved to some extent incrementally, but never challenged Nike's EYBL. And so now that we're looking towards UCLA, Former NBA player Matt Barnes, who is one of the prominent UCLA recent alumni, he tweeted that this break between UCLA and Under Armour is actually probably a good thing for UCLA in terms of recruiting. And I, you know, I, I have feelings on the matter as a Maryland fan, but I'm going to keep my mouth shut and, and ask you kind of as a dummy like this. Yeah. How has Under Armour affiliated, uh, affiliation impacted Maryland recruiting? And I'll zip my mouth shut before I start yelling. Yeah, it, it, it hasn't helped them, I wouldn't say. You know, they were obviously a Nike school before they joined Under Armour. Uh, the majority of the top players in high school play for Nike-sponsored teams. That's not to say you can't get them if you're an Under Armour school, because it does happen. But 
you know, it helps a lot to be Nike. You tend, people tend to move in the same circles. So if you're a Nike school, then your assistants are going to be, uh, you know, kind of politicking with Nike people and uh, Nike grassroots people. And so, you know, Under Armour's basketball brand, they, they tried to grow it and they grew it to some extent. But a lot of times those top players who were on the Under Armour circuit would end up moving over to Nike. So, so Maryland has gotten some Nike players. You know, Kevin Herter played for a Nike team. So if it's a recruitment where it's just an old-fashioned family kind of thing, then you don't have quite as much to worry about. If it's one where the AAU team is going to have a lot of sway, then, you know, it's, it's tough. And Maryland, you know, the big name, biggest name AAU program in, in the area is Team Takeover, obviously, which is a hardcore Nike program which also, you know, several of the top local high school programs kind of feed into Team Takeover. They're Nike schools, so, you know, Maryland has very rarely gotten a kid from that program. So it does, you know, and aside from all the AAU politics, kids like Nike, you know, Under Armour's made some strides, but kids think Nike's cool and, you know, they're going to be wearing those shoes for their college years. So that does have some effect too. Yeah. So with all that in mind, why do you think Under Armour decided to to attempt to back out of their deal with UCLA? And do you think they have a chance to come out on top in, in what will likely end up in a, a serious contract dispute? I mean, they got they try to get out of it because the deal is an anchor. You know, it's way larger than any of their deals with any of the, the other schools. What they're paying UCLA per year is about the same as they're playing paying Maryland for their ten year contract in total. Uh, about $17 million, which is insane. But again, at the time, their stock was soaring. It was like monopoly money. So they just threw it out there. Now it's, you know, it's, uh, it's, they, it, it's not tenable for them. They can't pay it anymore. So that's their argument. I'm not a lawyer by any stretch, but from what I've looked at with the contract, I don't really see what their case is. Under Armour's case, they say that UCLA uh, has not provided some of the marketing, marketing benefits that are stated and promised in the contract, but it was a very vague assertion. It didn't name what the benefits were exactly. I don't know if they're going to say that UCLA has just underperformed in terms of football and basketball or what their claim is. Uh, but I, I feel like they're going to have a tough time uh, getting out of that one. Yeah, I think I think the only thing that they could possibly point to is not enough tournament appearances in, uh, on the basketball side and not enough bowl appearances on the football side and that perhaps might be the only place where UCLA fans and Under Armour staff might actually <laughs> have some agreement. My last question for you, and I know it's it's dinner time in the Urban household. Uh, <laughs> in your article on Inside Maryland Sports, and I encourage everybody to go check it out, it's titled, Could Under Armour Separate from Maryland Next or Vice Versa? You ask that exact question. And you end by explaining that it's unlikely that uh, they'll break apart because of politics about, you know, Kevin Plank is a very prominent alumnus of Maryland, combined with the fact that, you know, they have a contract until 2024. But Jeff, if I, if I told you that Maryland could rip up that agreement without consequence, would you do it? And if Maryland backed out, do you think, you know, however that would happen, do you think that would be the end of Under Armour as a collegiate gear sponsor? It's hard to say with Maryland. I think most schools probably would back out from them at this point, as much as they're hemorrhaging and financially and branding wise, uh, except for obviously UCLA with their deal. Auburn and Notre Dame also have pretty lucrative deals. For Maryland, it's a little more complicated because obviously they're attached to the hip more so, being that Kevin Plank is a Maryland guy. They were the first 
major university to to you know accept them as a sponsor. And Under Armour is also in Baltimore, and and Kevin Plague's given a lot of money to Maryland over the years and a lot of support. So I don't think they would for those reasons. Basically, if that if all that didn't exist, then you know it's very possible. But I think that they're much more personally intertwined than these other schools are. Um, in terms of whether we kill, I, I don't know because it's really hard to say how Under Armour is going to like come out of all this and and rebuild or rebrand or you know, approach anything where it was, uh, you know, status wise back a few years ago, they were, you know, it was considered a pretty a premium brand. And now you see it on clearance racks at times and things like that. So I don't think Mar Maryland cutting loose from them wouldn't be the thing to deliver the final blow. But, you know, I think that they have much bigger things to worry about. All right, that's fair. One one actual last question. One thing that Under Armour has been able to deliver is a ton of really nice jerseys, both on the football and basketball side to Maryland. If you had to pick one from football and basketball Under Armour jerseys, which one would you choose? Uh, I, really, I really liked those pride ones with the Maryland flag on the helmet in football. Uh, I thought those those were really nice. They've done a lot. They, they really have produced a lot of really nice gear. That's one thing. You know, you can't take away from them. You know, there people. Some people don't like necessarily the performance of their shoes. I wouldn't know about about that. But in terms of the uniforms, uh, you know, even the fans who might think that it's good for Maryland at this point to get away from that, most of them still like the uniforms. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, at the end of the day, Under Armour started with uh, with T-shirts and never were able to quite break into the sneaker side. But it should come as no surprise that they were able to have these uh, nice t-shirts. Well, Jeff, I really appreciate you taking the time. Have a good one. Enjoy your pizza. Great <laughs> time, man. All right. Thanks again to Jeff for coming on to talk about Under Armour. And thanks also to Stephen Gaither for coming on to talk about McCormick Kerr committing to the Howard Bison. Really cool episode. Unique, different. I like when we get to cover stuff that we don't always talk about on the 24-7 Sports College Basketball Show. This was a really fun show to put together. And I hope you enjoyed. Uh, stay tuned. I, for those of you who noticed, by the way, uh, we have moved our show release date to late Thursday or Friday. Uh, that's going to happen. We had a, a bit of a workflow change around here at 24-7 Sports, so that's going to be our new release time. But we've got a lot of stuff coming up for you later in the summer leading into the fall. We've got some NBA draft stuff once the NBA starts coming back. We are going to continue our conference preview or conference check-in, I should say, not a preview, conference check-in series throughout the month of July. And as we get closer and closer to the season, we'll get some real in-depth previews, some top 25s, all sorts of good stuff. And then of course, updates as to when the season hopefully will start. All sorts of good stuff coming down the pike for you on the 24-7 Sports College Basketball Show. But for now, that's going to do it for today's episode. Really big thanks to Steven and Jeff for coming on the show today. I'm Tony Levitt, and we'll see you again next week on the next edition of the 24-7 Sports College Basketball Show. CBS Sunday. You collect rewards, right? This is how I make my living. When something is lost, everyone's looking for something. He finds it. You strong swimmer? So-so. So-so. So-so's okay. Justin Hartley stars. 
How you survive, you make quick, smart decisions and you never let panic take the wheel. Sounds cool. It is cool, actually. Very cool. Tracker. New Sunday on CBS and streaming on Paramount+. Plus.